praise for what he has done in our lives and we will continue to press forward in him because he is truly our hope of glory. I want to talk to you this morning out of the book of St. Matthew, the first chapter. We're going to be dealing with the birth of Jesus. It's St. Matthew, the second chapter. Now, the title of this message is Born Among the Animals. And God has such a profound way of displaying himself in our lives. He really does. The Bible declares that God's ways are not like our ways. His thoughts are higher than ours. As far as the difference is, is as far as the heavens from the earth, it's a long way because heaven is an eternal place. It just goes on and on and on and on and on. So the Bible also declares that God is way past finding out. But the thing about it is, is that every once in a while, God will visit us with a word of confirmation of who he is with us and why he is with us. And I think that it's an incredible thing that God would allow his power and his wisdom, the Christ, his son, to be born among the animals. I think that that's an incredible thing. The Bible tells us in Psalms 1, verse 1 through 3, Psalms 1, verse 1 through 3, the Bible declares to us that blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the wicked, nor standeth in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of the scornful. It goes on to say, but his delight is in the law of God. And in that law does he meditate both day and night. The Bible also goes on to declare that this man is like a tree that is planted beside rivers of water. Who brings forth its fruit in its season, who leaves shall not wither, and everything that that person, individual does shall prosper. That's God's word. The Bible goes on to declare, evangelists, that in Psalms 37, verse 4, that if we delight ourselves in the Lord, he will give us the desires of our heart. And not only that, but if we commit ourselves to the way of the Lord, verse 5 goes on to say that, and if we trust in him, he will bring it to pass. Now, the only thing that God can't do, Deacon, tell a lie. Now, God says that he'll do this for us if we do what? If we meditate on his word both day and not. Joshua 1 8 tells us that this book of the law shall not depart from thy mouth. But if you meditate on it continuously and you do what it tells you to do, it says, then and only then shall your way be prosperous. And then shall you find success. The only time success is used in the Bible, in the King James original Bible, is right there in Joshua 1.8. No other place will you find it in the Bible, in the original text. Because that word success there means not only to be successful yourself, but 
it also means to teach others the skill of success that you. You see, we're not successful until we teach others success. You see, we, we church has a mentality of I'm coming to get what I can get. But you see, it's more to it than just coming to get what you can get. Because after you get it, then what? Are you going to help anybody else to be successful at what God has given you? Born among the angels, I mean the, the animals. Born among the animals. Let's look at the text here. First thing we see here is that it was during the time that Herod was in charge of Judah. Now we all know Judah means praise. And we all should know that praise, the king of praise is Jesus. But how did Judah become the king? I mean, how did, 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 did Herod become the king when Jesus is the one that's designated to be the king of Judah, the king of praise. So what we have here is a conflict of interest. And that's what we have in the church today, a conflict of interest. You see, Jesus hasn't been able to take his rightful position yet. Herod is still in the church because... 2 Timothy 3.5 tells us that they have a form of godliness, but they are denying the power thereof. And from such it tells us to turn away. The word Herod means to have a form of. And that's that form of godliness that Paul is talking about in 2 Timothy 3.5. That spirit of Herod is still ruling in the church. Because the church has a form of godliness. But they deny the power thereof. So we have a problem here. Because first of all, the wrong king is on the throne of the church. Herod is presiding over it, but it's disguised as Jesus. But you see, it's a lie because wisdom is confirmed by her deeds or by her children. And the offsprings of the church are not looking like Jesus. I'm sorry. I'm just plain out sorry and I'm talking to all of us. The offsprings of the church are not looking like our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we have a conflict of interest here. The Bible goes on and tells us that now, right now, when Jesus, which is the power and the wisdom of God, was born in Bethlehem of Judah, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for the love. Thank you for the consideration. Thank you for this assembly. Father, as we go forth to produce ourselves in you to a greater degree than ever before, Father, we stretch forth our souls to you in hopes and honor that you will see fit to back your word in us and give us the desires of our heart, which is to reach a greater degree in you. Father, we ask this because we feel that this is your will for us. And Father, we just thank you today. And we feel and believe that it is done. And also that it is well with our soul that we saw fit to come into the house of the Lord this morning to hear a word from heaven. Not a word from man, but a word from heaven that goes something 
like this. Now, the Bible tells us Jesus was born. Now, in a place called Bethlehem, Bethlehem has a twofold meaning to it spiritually. First of all, it means the house of dust. And Genesis 2 7 tells us that God made us out of the dust of the ground. So, first of all, Bethlehem speaks of this house, the house of dust, the house that God made out of the dust of the ground. But it also has another side to it. It's called the house of bread, Bethlehem. Now, Jesus tells us in John 6.35 that he is the bread of life. So when Jesus is born inside of us, then this house becomes the house of bread. See how it co cooperates with each other? Now, the Bible says, bring all the tithes into the house, into my storehouse, this house, so that I might have what? Meat or food on my table, bread. Mm -hmm. And if you do that, it says, see, won't I open you the windows of heaven? Not that, but you, the windows of heaven, and pour you out a blessing from heaven that you won't even be able to contain. My cup runneth over. So those that are in the vicinity or the proximity of where the blessings are being restored and displayed, they're bound to be blessed also. But we need to understand that we should be blessed spiritually first before we worry about being blessed physically. Because when we're blessed spiritually, then physical blessings, God is obligated to take care of us. He's our father, right? Does not a father take care of his children? What father doesn't give to his children for being obedient? Tell me. Men. An obedient child can get anything from the Father. Therefore, God has given us all spiritual blessings, being that He is a spirit. And those that worship Him must worship Him in what spirit? And in truth. So, God has given us not just blessings, but all spiritual blessings. Why? Because He's our Father. And he is a spirit. So he hasn't held anything back from us. The only thing that holds us back is our obedience to him. That's the only thing that holds our son back from the blessings of his father. Is his obedience. As long as he do what the father said in obedience, he can get anything he wants. But let him start acting up. Cut off. Cut off. So Jesus is born here in Bethlehem, the house of dust, which will become the house of bread. In Bethlehem of what, Judah? What do we praise God from? From within, right? From within this house of bread, right? You can't praise God if you don't have the strength to praise Him. And in order to get the strength, then you got to have something to eat on. That's why it's the house of bread. Because you got to have, He is the bread of life. You got to have something to eat on. I mean, that's elementary, Watson. You know, you don't need no rocket scientist to understand that if you ain't eating nothing, you're going to get weak. But during this time that Jesus is born in this house of bread, this house of dust, Bethlehem, in the days of Herod, during that time of having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, behold, there came wise men. Now they didn't come until Jesus was born. But where did they come from? From within yourself, the east, right? Because we all know that the east means within. You see, when God births Himself in us, then wise counsel comes from where? 
not from out there, but from in here. Wise men, wise counsel begins to come to a man when Jesus is born. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 1, verse 5 and 6, that a wise man will increase his learning. Man of understanding and all that good stuff. Let me get over here and read it. Just like it is. Proverbs 1. Verse 5 and 6 says, A wise man will hear and will increase learning. And a man of understanding will do what? Shall attend unto what kind of counsel? Wise counsel. Didn't the wise men come? When? When Jesus was born, right? Mm -hmm. See, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? No. You always hear that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? Wisdom. You hear it all the time, don't you? That's the second half of it. Read your book. Go over here. So correct the preachers the next time they tell you that. Look at verse 7. How are you going to get wisdom before you get knowledge? Hmm? So the fear of the Lord is, Lord is the beginning of what? Knowledge. Then, it says later on in the book that it's the fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? Wisdom. How you going to shoot a gun and you ain't got a bullet? How you going to have wisdom and you ain't got no knowledge? Huh? How you going to do that? Because knowledge is knowing something. Wisdom is knowing how to do it. And understanding is knowing why you're doing it. And with all your wisdom, get what? Understanding because we need to know why we're doing what we're doing up in here. Otherwise, we're just going to be having church. Because we'll never understand why. Is this a good word for you? Is it helping you? Because I'm pointing out some things here that we really do need to know. You see, they say God is love, right? Same, same aspect. But no. That's the second half of it. When you go to 1 John 1, 5, it says God is light. How can you love and you don't have a light to love? See, we're always putting the cart before the horse. And that's why it don't ever work for us. Because we're trying to love, but we don't even understand what the light is of God. And until we understand what the light is of God, I'm giving you words. Just go to the book, 1 John 1, 5, and accept the word as is. Then go on over there to John, I think it's in 4, 8, and you'll see where God is love. That's a long way from light to love, man. That's a lot of chapters. So you see, I'm going to prove with the word of God what I say to you. So you can't sit there and like ponder on that thing. No, word. Let the word do it. Now you'll find yourself pondering against God after I show you in the word. Because the word is undeniable. The fear of the Lord, Rev, is the beginning of knowledge. Word. No knowledge, no wisdom. Don't ever let nobody tell you that again. You show it to them in the Word. Don't ever let nobody tell you God is love until you take them to it. Say, God is light first, because without the light of God, there is no love. How you going to understand what love is if you aren't enlightened on God and what God is? See, we trying to do something and don't even know how to do it. Because, why? Because we ain't never been taught. It's just facts. Now let's go back over here about this born among the animals. You see? Because that's exactly what Jesus was born. Verse 2 says over here in St. Matthew, chapter 2, verse 2. When the wise men came from the east within, to where? What did they come to? Peace. Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. See, Peace. 
Wise counsel begins to bring peace to us when Jesus is born in us, right? I can't get no amen. Somebody must have a problem with that. Somebody must not have no peace in their life. Evidently. Because I can't get no amens up in here this morning. Everybody looked at me like, what is he talking about? I'm talking about this word here. Do I need to step down? And, and, and go low on me? Because y'all look like y'all confused this morning. What's up? I ain't confused myself. Y'all look strange this morning. What's wrong? Got up on the wrong side? Too hot? Ain't hot yet. Verse 2 says, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? Mm. For we have seen his star in the east, and we come to worship him. Whoa. First of all, wise counsel begins to question us. See, when the birth of Christ causes a curiosity to be stirred in us, we start searching out things that we, we never did. It didn't make no difference to us. But all of a sudden, we begin to search God out on some things. He said, where is he that is born king of the spiritual man, Jews? Hmm. Now remember, now heaven's running stuff. And he's the king, right? And you talking about another king coming up in here? Oh, God. Herod went crazy. Look at the word. It says, For we have seen his star. That's, that word star is the same as formed in the Old Testament. It means made his bed within. You see, he was born in a manger among the animals. He was born within. We have seen his star where? Within. We have seen his bed within. This is wise counsel now. See, when Jesus is born in you, wisdom begins to search you out. See, wisdom knows where that kingdom is inside of you. And wherever that kingdom is, that's when that little baby birth. He said, look here, we done seen where his bed is now. He's know he up in here now and we know that he's in the east because we've seen his star where he made his bed within we see it we know and we're going to follow it until we find it now when we find him now we're going to see that he's been born among animals in a manger but we're going to get to that Say, we want to find out where he is because we want to, and we want to worship him. See, wisdom knows to worship God. Now, when Herod, verse 3, the king had heard these things, he was troubled. And all Jerusalem was with him was troubled too, right? Because, see, he was the king of Judah, and Jerusalem is the capital of that place called Judah. You know, that's the major city there, you know, peace. No, no peace, no praise. Now, your peace have been conditioned to be under the rule and the authority of Herod. Because Herod is ruling this, right? So when Herod got in trouble, so did all Jerusalem. Did you see it there? Your peace get troubled. See, see, you become unwrapped. When, when, when folks start talking about the kingdom to you, and you so used to church, you become unright. You become troubled. Now you want to know, what is this that's being taught me? And if you can't break loose from it, then you're going to go back under the rule of Herod. So all Jerusalem, the whole church, gets a little bit troubled. When you bring Jesus into the equation. Because when you bring Jesus into the equation, then you got to change your ways. 
when you when you bring Jesus into the situation, then, then things that you used to do, you just can't do no more, or it'll just kill you. And until you change, you'll be most miserable. So you might as well bow down. Because God is not going to turn you loose now that he got you. Now what he do with you is up to him. And up to you, the decision that you make. But he still ain't going to turn you loose. Because he's still going to be there when you make your bed in hell. So King Herod and the whole church, Jerusalem, peace, what they call peace, they was all trouble now. Because there's a new sheriff in town named Jesus, the Christ, the son of the living God. Not the bishop, not the pope, not the doctor, no, Jesus. You talking about them old superstar preachers, them old shine doctors, Dr. Shine. See, they got a problem when Jesus steps in and is born in you. Why? Because that anointing that they see in you, as Evangelist said last night, scares them. Because they know that they can't give you propaganda no more. Anybody go back to that stuff, is out of their mind. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to pray for them. We're going to pray for that their sanity be returned to them. That's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to do. We're going to pray for them because they need it. You don't put your hand to the plow and then you turn back. God's going to remind you about it. He's going to remind you when I wanted to take you higher, when I wanted to do more for you, you wouldn't let me. You refused. You thought you were refusing the prayer, but you was really refusing God, because God is the one that prompted you this way. Can't you see? But no, you were looking for numbers. You weren't looking for God, because God is God all by himself. Let me tell you something. If God be for you, what man is you? I say, if God be for you, it don't make no difference. Look at Jesus. Jesus Started out with just himself down by the Jordan. Well, nobody but him. Then he picked up one here, one there, over course of time. He was picking. He wasn't picking everybody. He was going through. And guess what? He wasn't going to rich folk. He was going at crooks, thieves, fishermen, Matthew, crooks. He's tax collector. He had money, but he's a crook. Not many wise, not many rich, not many wealthy are called to this. The wealth comes from God. See, God can't do what he wants to in you if he got to battle against your wealth. <laughs> see, he ain't got time for that. See, see, God's on a mission. He don't have that kind of time. That's why he made us out of the dust of the ground. Rubbish. Where he can put himself in there. So Jesus goes through three, three and a half years of ministry with basically just them twain. Because the multitude, they were following him, but they were following him for what they could get. But when it was all said and done, wasn't nobody left but them. But even then, when it got too hot, they stepped. And you will too. If it get too hot, you'll be sorry and you'll revamp. But I understand the, 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 the makings of this thing, you see. You, I understand it. And it's okay. Come on. I, I say, I don't learn to love in spite of it. I don't have no problem. I, I might have a problem, but ain't, love ain't one of them. But I ain't no fool. See, some people love and foolish with it. 
and just let folk just continue to do, do, do whatever they want to with them. Just, just rape them. You know, over and over and over again. Just throw them down and rape many times. No, I ain't got that kind of love. That's stupid love. I got the love of God. But I'll love you from over here and you be over yonder and I'll pray for you. Because I'll lose myself if I'm close in county you keep See, I ain't that good yet. Now, y'all might be, but I'm not that good yet. I got to talk. But guess what? God got one, too. So Herod was troubled in all Jerusalem, verse 4 said, and he had gathered, and when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. It's ironic how he gathers all the chief priests and the scribes together. And they know where Jesus is supposed to be born. But the thing about it is they don't understand that Herod is out trying to get it. So they give the ammunition to Herod that he needs. Look what they do when he asked them. And they said, verse 5, and they said unto him, in Bethlehem of you, you know, we're in the house of bread, in praise. That's where he's born, in you. In you. For it is written by the prophet. I want you to go to Second Chronicles 36, chapter 36, about these, how these chief priests and scribes. Let's go to 36. Second Chronicles. 36. Verse 14. 2 Chronicles 36, verse 14. Over there? Yeah. I'm going to read it right quick, then I'm going to go back over here. He said, Moreover, all the chief of the priests and other people. Didn't he call the chief priests and scribes together? Mm -hmm. Says here, Moreover, all the chief of the priests and the people transgressed very much after all the abominations of the heathen. Mm -hmm. They went Herod's way. And polluted the house of the Lord, which he had hollowed where? Mm -hmm. Wasn't they in Jerusalem? Mm -hmm. Say them jokers disowned and defiled that place of peace. That's what the book says. So verse 7, back over here in uh, St. Matthew chapter 2, verse 7, said, Then Herod, once he got his information, then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, now that old religion, that old form of godliness, that old Pharisee, Sanhedrin, scribe, lawyer type mentality. Now look what it does. After he gets his information, it calls now, it calls the wise counsel in you. Did you talk about that last night? Ain't that what you talked about last night? About that? How, how, how that old thing will get together and kind of whisper in you? How many people have been destroyed from listening right in here that ain't here no more that's been destroyed from listening to that whispering and chant? And I told them, but they still didn't hear. You see, after you talk, then you gotta be tested by what you've been taught. So right after it was taught, then God sends a whisper in the channel to you to see if you learn. And some of them jokers, them yahoos, some of them jokers went just went right for this. Yeah, that's why they call him the whispering enchanter. He'll enchant you. That's what the serpent means. Didn't he enchant Eve? So soon as God teaches us something, he's going to send a messenger, whether it's Satan or whoever, to try. Because you do, I guess y'all know, y'all y'all big enough to understand Satan work with God. Y'all are big enough to understand that. I hope you do. Because if you know anything about the Bible when you go down to Exodus, you'll see that when the Lord came through, Satan was right behind him, and the Lord was pointing out 
where he could hit and where he couldn't hit. You read your book. Well, just read your book. You, you know, read your book. Exodus. When the firstborn was king. Read your book. If, if, if Satan didn't, if Satan wasn't under the rule of God, then how could God keep things in his control? If, how could he be all powerful? Could Satan touch Job without asking God? <laughs> and he was right up in there among the sons of God when he had the meeting. Yes, he was. And he still is. Because he ain't been cast out forever. Know your book, Revelation. Know your book. That's false teaching if you think he's been cast out forever. He still got access. If he didn't have access, then why would uh, 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 Revelation, the, the 12th chapter, around verse 11, 10, and 11, why would it say that Satan is the accuser of the brethren who go before God and accuse us day and night? If he didn't have access, I'm just asking a question. But it says now you've been cast down forever and his place ain't found no more in heaven. That's the book. Giving you right to Gonna sort it out. The Bible says, study, make yourself prove as a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, but rightly divide the word of truth. 2 Timothy 2.15. Rightly divide. So it goes on here, and he says that uh, then Herod, verse 7, when he had privately called wives, he inquired unto them diligently that the what time the star appeared. In other words, when was he born? And he sent them to the house of bread, Bethlehem, mm -hmm. and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. Mm -hmm. And when you have found him, bring me word again, that I may come and worship him. He's a devilish liar. He's a deceiver. He's trying to get to that baby to kill him. Just like Satan. Waiting on the man child. I'm about to when they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star, which is the bed, which they saw, where? Within. Went before them. See, see, see. The, see, Jesus is the power and wisdom of God. And wherever his bed is, where he's been born at, it'll draw wisdom to him. Ain't that what that star did? Didn't that star lead them to Jesus? It's the power and wisdom of God that takes that wise counsel in you and leads you to where that baby is. Now, verse 9 says, When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star of the bed, they rejoiced, not just a little bit, Exceedingly great. God will do a magnificent work. And in this work, in this work, the Lord will continue to do that which he began to do. I'll show you something. Verse 11 says, and when they were come into the house. Which house? This house. This house right here. When they had come into the house, they saw what? What did they see? Y'all talk about y'all can't read. Young child Mary. When they came where? In here. When wisdom... When wisdom finds that power and that wisdom in you, guess who they're with? Mary. You know what Mary means? Mary is the soul that has rebelled against religion. Jesus can't be birthed in a religious sect. It won't work. So Mary, the soul that has rebelled against all of that, that's why they call Jesus a revolutionary, a radical. Because religion won't allow you 
to reach the place where you need to reach in the Lord. It won't let you do it. That's why I'm trying to write this treatise, this dissertation now on the problem with the knowledge of God in the church. Because leaders are killing God's people, y'all. I'm just telling you straight up. And they are not going to ever like any of us who preach and teach this word the way we do. They ain't going to never like that. They ain't going to like it. See, you're going to stir up some things when you try to share that. Eventually, if you have it already, you're going to stir up some problems. Because people are going to go, man, hey, you know, that's that old spirit. That's that old Herod spirit. Didn't did, did it say that all of Jerusalem was troubled with Herod? Ain't that what it says? You talking about a pastor. <laughs> Nobody ain't caring about your pastor. We're concerned about God and God's people. You caught up on your pastor. And it won't be long before your pastor let you down. If you caught up like that. Now did you hear me? So we better keep this thing on an even keel. So that when you get your head busted, I can understand. When I get mine busted, you come and rub something on my old big head. You understand what I'm saying? But if, oh, if I try to be all this and all that, as soon as I bust my head, you say, uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? Come on, y'all, be honest. Don't joke with me. That's why I stay, I stay humble. Do people wrong, and you see, rip folk off, cheat folk. You see, they'll be there. They might be there twenty years waiting, just waiting to get you back. <laughs> well, it's a long time. I know it's a long time, but see, some people so caught up on revenge, they'll do it like that. They'll do it like that. I would bingo. It ain't that important to me. I don't want to see when you get your head busted no way. I might have to be one cleaning the blood up. I don't like cleaning up blood. So, so I don't need that. So verse 11 says, And when they saw, when they, when they were coming to the house, they saw the young man, the young child with Mary, his mother. And when they had opened their treasures. Now wait a minute. First of all, I got, to, I got to back up here for a minute because it's something I need to say here. First of all, let's go back up here to this thing called house. Now, go over here to Luke 2 7. See, he was in a house, but go to Luke 2 7. Luke 2 7. That third book over. The Bible says here in Luke 2, 7, y'all see it? And she brought forth, what? Her firstborn son, right? Firstborn builder. And he was wrapped in what kind of clothes? That means that he was strapped in. Wherever he was, he was strapped in. So when Jesus is born, he's, he's strapped in. He's strapped in. But where is he strapped in? I'm talking about being born among the animals. He's strapped in. He was wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid him in a what? You know what a manger is? That's the place where the animals feed. Now look here. Jesus was born among the animals, right? Now the animals represents, y'all know, our appetites, our affections. Is that not what Jesus is born? Is that not? Why? Because he's the bread of life. So when our appetites and our affections begin to eat, those animals... Because that's what that's what the place is that the animals stay and eat in the manger. That's like a bone. See, God laid him, Mary laid him, had Mary lay him among your affections and your appetites. The manger. Born among animals. Because without God, that's what your affection and your appetites are, animalistic, predatory. Oh, yeah, they are. Yeah, they are. Don't you fool yourself. Don't you fool yourself at like you all that. 
you know you are spanking a lot. I didn't just say a lot, you are spanking a lot if you think you all that. You don't want to think that way about yourself. See, you're too high here. See, that, that's what we're trying to cut out in here. Trying to get that old un imp. They call it that old imp. Because religious people, as soon as they think they get saved, you can't tell them, I don't sin no more. No, you can't tell me I sin. Yeah, you sin. You sin in life because you're telling a lie. And that's one of the worst sins is to tell a lie. That's that old prideful, Jezebel spirit. What that is. That old lying spirit. And that's one of the things that God hates out of them seven abominations. Yeah, yeah that one of them. A lying tongue. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. Wrapped in a manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes, strapped in in this place where these affections. Because those affections and appetites that we have. In other words, your will have to be fed the will of God in order to make the transition. Do you understand it better now? That's why it's so vital that you have this word to eat on from within. You 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 got to have something inside of yourself to eat on, so that you can keep your will out the way and allow God's will to permeate your soul. You really need it. And I do too. Lord knows I do. But notice why this is the catcher. And this goes back to what you said. Remember last night you said something that we can't stop. There's no break. Watch this word. Why do you think that he was laid in the manger because there was no room where? For them where? In the end. Did you not know that that word end means breaking up of a journey? There was no break in this journey. Once God, hear me good, births itself in you, no break in the journey. That's why I want no room in the end. No break in the journey. You see, 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 that room in the end would have designated a breaking point, a resting point. No, ain't no break point. Not in this journey. Not until it's over. <laughs> Not until it's over. You know what? Where was he born? Among the animals. Animals got to be fed every day. Every day. Or they're going to get to holler. You don't feed them young as they watch. I had them on my phone the other day, did Trying to tell on you. Did Cause she would, cause she would feed you when you want to get fed, right? Huh? Tell them. And guess what? You tell them. You get told on too. If you take a break, and the food ain't there, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, if, if 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 the food of God ain't there for you, that's why He's so important to have food on my table. Mm-hmm. On my table, meat. Why? So that your will can eat it. So that you will allow your will to diminish and you will become more like God's will. Because you eating God's will from his word. But now, if you ain't got nothing to eat on, you're going to get weak. And you're going to go back to that old appetite. So we have to be careful. We have to be careful about where we're going, what we do. You know, look, people, let, let me. Ain't nothing changed. I don't care if it's 10 years later. Just in a new package. Same old message. Stop fooling yourself. Because that thing will contaminate you. You won't even know you. You see, just as soon as you tell somebody else not to do it, then you go do it. What's up with that? But then again, I do understand it because just as soon as you give advice, then advice that you gave is going to come back and see if you are ready to handle it. That's why I try to stay away from advice. 
I stopped. <laughs> Somebody asked me what I said. I don't think that's trouble. I, I, I ain't looking for no trouble. I don't need no trouble. Yeah, go search it out over there. I ain't saying nothing. You know, go talk to Brenda. She love to give advice. <laughs> she can handle it, though. I don't need that. You know? Just, yeah, I'm right there. I don't think I got for it. Right there, right there. Mm-hmm. But anyway, no break. Can't be no break on this journey. That's why I wasn't no room in the end. Because the end is a resting place. Y'all, y'all, y'all catch it? I read. Let me tell you. I, I'm reading on that thing, on that Louisville Institute. I read. And, and, and this is what it's written on when they were talking about pastors and preachers. This is what say one of the most damaging things. They do not want no none of us who are involved in this thing to be writing on anything about conferences and stuff. Let me tell you what it said about conferences. It said, this is what it says now. It says, people that get involved in conferences, conferences are the most damaging thing to the spiritual growth of people because it don't give the person the ability or the allowing or allow them to find God for themselves. They say we don't want no part of that. And then I thought about Dr. Hamby. I'm sick of conferences. You never see one here? Because see, I know they damage you. I've been knowing that. But there's some more folk out there know it too. It says the most damaging thing, if you if you want your growth stunted, start messing with these conferences. And watch what they, they say it's damaging. I can show you on the, on the web. From people that know that pay hundreds of millions of dollars a year to try to get people to go higher in the Lord. So they got to know something. If they give me money out like that. Let's go back over here to, uh, and let's wrap this thing up. I know you got to go to 12. Verse 11, St. Matthew chapter 2, verse 11 says that when they fell down and worshipped him after they were in the house and all that good stuff, you know. When they had opened their treasures, y'all see it there? Now don't 2 Corinthians 4, 7 tell us that we have this treasure in, what kind of vessel? Earthen vessel? A treasure, right? When they open their treasure, right? So they had to open it from within, right? When they open their treasure, now, talk about a treasure now. Who had the treasure? The wise men. The wise counsel in you. Watch the word. Matthew 13, verse 52. Talking about this treasure now. And talking about the one that possessed. Because these wise men, they, they possess the learning of God, right? Am I right? Amen. Well, look what the word says. Matthew 13, 52, over there. It says, look here. Therefore, every scribe, mm-hmm. that's them, every scribe which is instructed unto the what? Church. Did it say church? Kingdom, Kingdom of what? Got to be instructed. Ain't that what we do in here, instruct y'all in the kingdom of heaven? It said, every scribe that's instructed, talking about these wise men, now didn't they open up their treasure? Okay. Every scribe that's instructed, got to be instructed, unto the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is a what? What was he at? In the house, wasn't he? Which bringeth out of his what? All right, there it is. Things what? Ancient wisdom. And new revelations too. Huh? Now watch what they did to Jesus. Watch what they did. Are you catching it, people? Watch what they did. They presented, once they opened up their treasures, they presented, because we have this treasure in earthen vessels, they presented unto him what gifts? One is gold. Gold represents the purity of the spirit. Jesus was pure in spirit. Frankincense. Frankincense represents pureness of the soul, the pureness of the mind, will, and the emotion. The soul is made up of the mind, will, and emotion. Jesus was pure in his soul, right? He was pure in his mind, his, his emotion. Mm-hmm. 
and his will was pure toward God. So they gave frankincense. And they also gave myrrh. Myrrh represents the fact that he was pure in his flesh because even though he was tempted by sin, he was sinless, right? So he was pure in all three components of a man. Spirit, soul, and body. That's what makes up a man, right? Three composites. He was pure in every area of it. That's why they gave him the gifts. And that's what the gifts will be opened up to you. The same thing that they gave Jesus when Jesus is born in you, it'll open up to you. Purity in your spirit, purity in your soul, and spirit, purity in your flesh. The same thing as we grow in the grace of God. These gifts will manifest itself more and more. And then after that, and being warned of God in a dream, mm -hmm, we're going to talk about that dream, then we're going to get out of here. Being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod. In other words, don't go back. <laughs> I say don't go back. They departed into their, whose country? Their own country. They came from the spirit realm. Wisdom does. And they came, and they went another way. In other words, they didn't go Herod's way no more. They didn't do that. See, we don't even know we're going against God when we do this thing. Well, I think I'm going to do this. Do, have you prayed about playing with religion like this? You know, I mean, really. Talk about this dream. Watch the dream. Job 33, 14 through 19. I still got a couple, five minutes. Job 33. Let's go. Book of Job 33. Talk about these dreams. God talks to a man in two ways. I saw something in there. I'm going to read 14 through 19. We're going to deal with it. For God speaketh one. Job 33, verse 14 through 19. Over there. For God speaketh once, yes, twice, yet a man still don't perceive it. Y'all see it? God speaks, but we still don't hear, do we? He speaks, verse 15, in a what? Didn't he speak to the wise men in a dream? Told them not to go back that way? He warned them, didn't he, in a dream? God is speaking. He said, in a dream, in the vision of the night, when deep sleep falls upon men in the slumbering of the bed. I wonder why. Then he opened the ears of men when? When they sleep in a dream. And sealed their instructions. Why? Tell you why. They've seen it like this before, but I see it now. Verse 17. Here's the catch. And he, that he may withdraw man from his purpose and hide pride from man. See, when, when God is trying to talk to you in these waking states like right now, see, your pride might get in the way. Your own initiative might get in the way. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. But God said, I'm going to give it to you in a dream where you can't talk back to me. Your ears will be open, so I'm going to pull this thing inside of you. I'm going to trouble you in your dreams and show you the truth. Because I tried to show it to you in the waking hours. But your pride got in the way. But I don't need that. Who cares? God's speaking to you. Now, you don't want to hear it that way, then he got another way he's going to get you. Watch this. Verse 18 says, He keepeth back his soul from the pit, and his life from being perished by the sword. Then he goes on and he says, He is chastened. Now he's going to chastise him since he didn't want to hear the dream. He said, Now I'm going to talk to him in a, in a way called chastisement. He is chastened also with what? Well. Upon his bed, and the multitude of his bones with what kind of pain? Bone pain. Why? Because he wouldn't listen. Because every time God tried to tell him something, pride get in the way. I'm going to do it my way. So God will make our lives miserable, Sister Eleanor. If we don't realize that we're going down the wrong road and we need to do something about it, quick! God will make our life miserable. I'm talking about miserable. And I'm going to be honest with you. I, hate, I don't hate to say it. Farrah Fawcett 
I'm glad that girl is gone out of this world. You know why? I'm talking about, when you talk about suffering, man, strong pain. I ain't saying the girl did this, I ain't saying the girl did that. I don't, all I'm saying is that that girl suffered. And I'm glad that God finally relieved her of her pain. Oh my God, that girl, that child suffered. That child suffered. So he says that. In the multitude of his bones, the strong pain. Revelation 22 and 23. Revelation 2. Revelation chapter 2. Somebody get the kids. Are they out there? They might be out there. Revelation 2. And we've been. 22 and 23. It's talking about this strong pain. Revelation 22. Behold. Over there, I will cast her into a bed, and them that commit adultery with her, talking about old Jesus, and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. Sound like pain to me? And I will kill her children with death. Everything she brings before death. And all the churches shall know, all the churches, that I am he which search the reins and hearts, and I will give unto every one of you according to your works. May God Almighty add a blessing to the reading and the preaching and the teaching of his holy word. Let's stay. Did y'all come on around?